Bishop Burroughs Bowe here this morning to talk story with us. Woo! So thankful to have you here and her incredible husband, Jimmy. Come on, Jimmy, stand up, say hi to everybody. Yeah! Woo! Now, you guys really typify what doing church as a team is all about because you've taken your gifts and, and Jimmy serves and you've, you've seen him out there, his smiling face serving you as you are being very kind and finding your parking spot. Right, guys? Right? right. Okay. And then you serve in, in multiple areas. What, what do you do for the church? Um, so I serve in the prayer ministry, uh, life change, uh, data entry ministry, uh, phone friends, and that's the ministry that actually contact you to get plugged in, um, welcome you, and then a callback prayer request, and they're the ones that call you if you want to get prayed by telephone. Wow, and you guys don't know this, but she literally volunteers about 40 hours a week in service to our church. Can we thank her for that, you guys? So thankful for you. And uh, she didn't she didn't come up here to let everybody know what she does. In fact, I pretty much had to drag her up here yes, <laughs> so yes, we could uh, could share your story. Because not only do you facilitate the, the prayers of all of the people of New Hope, but you guys have amazing smiles. Like it's just contagious. <laughs> and and does she have a great smile? When you see that smile, you're just like, I got a smile. Because Trish is smiling, I got a smile. It makes you just want to smile. But but a lot of us take for granted how easy it is for us to smile. But for you, it's actually not. Not easy at all. Tell no, us why. No, it's not. Um, so I've been diagnosed with a condition called complex regional pain syndrome. So it's a chronic pain condition. Um, on the medical scale, it's above amputation. Whoa. So it's constant pain all the time. Uh, sensitive to touch, so hugs and holding hands. Which <laughs> makes this a very difficult church to attend yes. because you get like seven <laughs> hugs before you get into the, yes. the door. Oh my goodness. And so if I say no hug. It's not, you're not being rude, right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, this, uh, it's even called the suicide disease because yes, of, suicide. the pain is so intense, intense that yeah. people just want to give up. Yes. So what's kept you from giving up? So um, basically, I've gone through, of course, different stages. I was angry in the beginning. But uh, one time I said to myself, I don't want to go to church and sure. I don't want to smile with anybody. Yeah, all those huggers. Yeah, yeah, no, right? yeah. And then I heard God said, what if I want to use your smile um, to touch someone who wants to give up or wow. is hurting really bad? And wow. I said, okay. And you came yes. and you smiled. Yes. And that simple instruction is so amazing because it's the opposite of what you felt like doing. Yes. But I loved how you, you put it when we were talking. You said, if I don't smile, I'm still in pain. Yes. If I do smile, I'm still, I'm still in pain. In pain. Yes. But at least God can use me <laughs> yes. to ease someone else's pain. Yes. That is, that's so mind-blowing because most of us have, whether we admit it or not, we have this, we want to make a deal with God. Hey, God, I'll do this for you as long as you do this for me. Yes. And yet what you've chosen is to obey God's instruction and in, in the middle of that, you're seeing joy even in the middle of the pain. Yes. And, but that's not the only thing that, that you and Jimmy have gone through. What, yes. what else has God brought you guys um, to? So me? we had issues with finances. Um, we still have some, but uh, we faced eviction. Because and, you couldn't work, yes. right, because of the pain. Yes. And so um, when you're faced with eviction, it's hard because 
you need money to get into a new place and you need money if you have to stay there. Yes. Um, and so that was a very stressful time um, where I worried a lot and I totally did not want to, did not know what to do. But then I said to myself, oh, if I worry, nothing changes. <laughs> That's the thing about worry. <laughs> but if I pray, God can do something. Mm, so mm. I decided that, you know, I need to just pray and trust. And um, it's easier said than done, but it's a state. You just start doing it. You just yes. start praying. You just start praying. You just start praying. And God um, really moved and worked out that situation and we weren't evicted well we were evicted of course but, but you weren't homeless but we wasn't homeless yes. yes and so you surrendered jimmy surrendered god gave him a job yes. and all because you decided to do the opposite of what you felt like doing yes. instead of just giving up you gave it up yes. to god yes. now what would you say to those of us out here that maybe some are suffering with chronic pain but Probably many of us are suffering with some kind of pain. And, you know, maybe it's relationally, maybe it's financially, like you were just describing. What would you say to them on how to overcome? So, um, four, four quick things. Uh, the first one would be to stay connected to God. And so prayer, you can join the prayer ministry. <laughs> so <laughs> prayer, um, devotions in the word. Um, sometimes just Jesus is all you can do that day and that's that's staying connected um stay connected to people so don't isolate which is what you would feel if mm -hmm. you were in pain all the yes. time right so we got to do soft hugs right yes. soft hugs yes <laughs> soft hugs yeah so um stay connected uh serve even if you have to serve once a month um mm. just get connected even with your family just stay connected to people. Because um, it keeps your mind off of yourself, yes, right? and that takes the mind off of the pain as yeah, well, as yeah. much as you can. Mm -hmm. um, also, just uh, find one person to talk about it. Mm. So mm. don't be ashamed to at least share, even if it's just one person, because that one person can be praying with you, come alongside and praying with you. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say is smile. And I know some of you will be like, what am I smiling for? And I'm like, I don't know, me too. Yeah. smile. Yeah, but God can use it, right? Yes. yes. Well, you facilitate so many of our prayers. Do you mind if we pray for you? Awesome, yes. Could you guys extend you. your hand out towards our sister? God, we're so thankful. God, for her amazing testimony and even being up here, God, it's a, it's a painful thing to, sh to be up here standing. And yet, God, she does it with your joy and your strength. And right now, God, we just thank you, God, for how you're using her. And we thank you that on the cross, you covered her healing. God, mind, body, and spirit. So we just thank you for that in advance, God, from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. God, every nerve ending, every muscle, every bone in between. God, we thank you that not only has she not given up hope, she is providing hope to others. And we want to thank you in advance, God, for the healing that you're bringing her body. God, that you... God will be glorified in this situation. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we thank her one more time, you guys? Thank you so much. Talk about someone who is more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm in pain, I don't feel like helping others. I want help, right? If I've got a cold, I'm like, honey, come help me. I'm about to die. 
right? Am I the only guy in here that does that? Yeah, the women are like, no, my guy does that too. But like, I, the last thing I'm thinking about is somebody else. And yet if God's going to have us conquer in 2019, it's going to be because we're doing the opposite of what we feel. Notice that she's in pain all the time, but she's found the thing that sparks joy, which is obedience to God in the middle of her pain. So what sparks joy for you? And some of you can see where I'm going to this already. Two weeks ago, we asked that question about what sparks joy because of Marie Kondo. How many of you guys are converts now? How many of you guys have been watching the Netflix show, right? Reading the book. Okay, it's spreading. My wife is moving from room to room now, right? This uh, queen of clean, this tidy titan, this ninja of neatness. She is going into homes and helping people clear out the clutter from their closets and their lives. And of course, the whole key to it is you have to follow her instructions. It is a very specific method of the Kon Mari method. But I know two weeks ago when I was talking about this, I lost like half the guys in here because you're like, that's the last thing I'm going to think about. And I could only make it through one of the shows until, and I think Netflix knew this, until they had a quote unquote glitch. And this was what was on Netflix if you looked it up. And I'm like, wait a minute, Marie Kondo, you got my attention now. Oh man, Marie Kondo combat? Are you kidding me? Oh my goodness, the ninja of neatness, kicking butt and taking names. I can watch a show like that. Of course, that's not really what the show's about. But I thought about that just in terms of whether you're talking about cleaning out your closets or you're talking about being successful in combat. The truth is that in both of those areas, as well as in the area of obedience that Trisha was just talking about, the key is this, holding tightly to the instructions that you're given. And in fact, when we started out this year, I sat my boys down and I said, hey guys, let's, let's journal through one of my favorite Proverbs. It's at the top of your notes in, um, on your app or in your um, bulletin up here on the screen. But Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs chock full of practical wisdom and advice, especially when you're raising kids. And verse 10 says this, listen, my son, accept what I say and the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. You see, wisdom and the instructions of God let us know when we're to run, when we should walk, and when we should stop. Verse 13 says, hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Whoa. Guard it well, for it is your life. Guard what well? The instructions of God to our heart. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Why is he repeating that over and over to his son? Because he understands all of our tendencies is to get distracted and leave the straight and narrow path. All of us have that tendency, whether young or old, to go after the things that are going to lead us towards destruction and away from the things that God has for us to bring blessing to our life. And for each of us in here, those watching online right now to our, our acoustic venue, our island style venue, all of us have to make the choice of what we're going to hold on to in this life. It's either going to be the instructions of Father God, or it's going to be holding on to the instructions that the world has given us, which is going to lead us in the opposite direction. And some of us right here, right now, I, I, we just need to understand that we need to start off by getting rid of the best sounding, worst advice you and I have ever been given in this life, which is... Just follow your heart. 
How many of us have been given that advice before, right? Some of us have even given that advice because it sounds so good. It's so romantic, right? It's so beautiful and it sounds like you, you just got to leave your head and get in touch with your heart and follow your feelings, whatever you feel like you should do to make your dreams come true, right? Or some kind of version of that, right? And as I was going through this with my boys, I'm like, you guys, even though that sounds really good, we can't follow our hearts because our hearts are going to lead us in the wrong direction. It's going to lead us off the path. And I gave them this example. It's like, whenever we go hiking, you know, they all, well, all they want to do is just, they want to go off the trail, right? They just want to go somewhere else besides what the actual trail is. Otherwise, it's not considered hiking. And when you're raising boys, they have there's something innate inside of them. They want adventure, which is good. You want to encourage that. But sometimes that adventure can lead them to their, their death. And so we just celebrated the twins' 10th birthday on Friday. And whenever they have a birthday, Sydney and I stand before the Lord and we're like, thank you, God, they're still alive. <laughs> Because if you haven't raised twins, they have a tendency to embolden each other to do things that if they were alone, they would never try. So even, for instance, on this hike recently, there was this barbed wire fence that was locked. And they were, they were like, Dad, we want to see what's on the other side. And I'm like, did you notice the barbed wire? Did you, that's, a, that's a hint there that we're not supposed to. And they're like, but if we crawl under the cliff on this side over here, we can get onto the other side. And it's going to be so cool. And I'm like, we're not going to do it. And they're like, come on, dad, come on. But the same thing that I'm telling my boys there, you and I are curious. We want to see what's on the other side. And the father is telling us, I'm giving you instructions. I can tell you what's on the other side. It's destruction. If we don't cling to his instructions, we are going to find destruction. If we follow our heart, we're going to lose the path. But if we stay near, he will make the path clear. So why is the path so confusing for us right now? Because we've been following our heart instead of following God. I mean, Jeremiah 17 says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Would you guys follow a liar? No. So why are we following our heart that sometimes lies to us? Now, Jesus in Mark chapter 7 says every evil thing starts in the heart. Would you guys follow an evil person? No. So why do we follow our heart that sometimes gives us evil ideas that sound good? But here's my encouragement to my boys and each of us here right now. This promise in 1 John 3.20 that says, For whenever... Our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Shouldn't you and I follow the one who knows everything? No matter how loud our heart is yelling at us, I know what's better. I know what's more fun. You're missing out on life. If we follow the instructions of our God, we will find true life and life abundant. That's why I say this morning, don't follow your heart. Mm-mm. Follow the Father's heart for you. In fact, you can fill that in in your first blank there. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Father's heart for you because the Father's heart for you is so good. If He's telling you to stop, if He's telling you to go the other way, it's not to keep you from something, it's to give you something better than what your heart is trying to lead you to. Well, how do I know what the Father's heart is? Glad you asked. Because we can see it right here in Proverbs chapter 4 as we continue in verse 20. It says, my son or my daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your... So we're supposed to keep the instructions 
in our hearts. So our heart is guided by instructions and not the other way around. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And this is why I believe that we will celebrate Trisha's complete healing. Because you heard her testimony. Every single day she has to decide, I'm going to live according to God's instructions instead of where my heart would be leading me, which is isolation and even depression and many with that disease to self-destruction. This is why I know. This is not an empty promise. This is the Word of God. It says if we follow the instructions of God, we will experience health in our bodies. And so we will be celebrating the full healing of Trisha one day. This one, and look at this next, this next verse is just, this is where it's at right here. Above all else. This is quite an all-encompassing command. Guard your, what? Okay, we're supposed to set up a guard on our heart. Some of us need to guard ourselves from our heart because we've been following it every which way but Jesus. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Okay, so if our heart is not being guided and guarded by the Lord, it's going to lead us in the wrong direction. And he gives us some examples of what that looks like. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. How's your talk been lately? What's been coming out of your mouth? Has it been edifying? Building people up or tearing people down? Are you swearing a lot? Are you cussing? Is it perverse talk? Telling dirty jokes? It's kind of quiet in here. Okay, just saying. Uh, if our heart, we're being guided by our heart instead of guided by the Father's heart, the wrong stuff's going to be coming out of our mouth. But it didn't stop with our mouth. Now he goes to our eyes. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. How's your eyes been lately? What have you been watching? How have you been looking at the people in your life? Lustful ways? Or good ways. Very quiet. Very quiet in here. But the Father is saying, hey, I want the best for you. I want you to look at people the way I see them. I don't want you to get distracted. And then he doesn't stop with our mouth, our eyes. Now he goes to our thoughts and our feet. Be care- give careful thought to the paths for your feet. And be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. What's he saying here? You guys ever notice that when you're, when you're driving and you see an accident on the side of the road, if you uh, become one of those looky-loos and you're just like, oh, what, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? If you're not careful, our, our hand will actually steer the direction of our eyes, which is why they, they say don't look at your phone or anything else. And more accidents happen around other accidents because our hand begins to turn the way our eyes are turning. When he's saying, I want you to keep your eyes straight forward, keep your eyes on my instructions is because he knows our feet will follow our heart and so you and i need to make sure who our heart is following so who's it following you guys remember that uh, the, the pirates of the caribbean movies right captain jack sparrow right johnny depp and uh, and disney and when the, one of their whole ad campaigns was of course disney would say this just follow heart. And they were using the picture of his compass to show how you and I should live our lives the way Captain Jack does, which is so ridiculous. But anyways, it was their ad campaign, follow your heart. And if you're familiar with the movie, you remember that his compass didn't follow true north. It didn't turn true north. It turned, and here's the deal, to the thing he wanted the most, which for Captain Jack was usually three things, either women, treasure, or rum. Right, And so he's got this whole crew on the boat with him, following him. And if he is looking for the treasure, that's where it's going to point. If he's looking for a woman, that's where it's going to point. If he's looking for rum, that's where it's going to point. He's got a whole bunch of people so confused because when he gets confused and doesn't know what he wants, he actually takes the compass, 
hands it to a crew member who is just madly in love and says, well, at least there's one direction it will go because this person needs to find her lost love. And I think, as silly as that whole premise is, it's actually accurate on the way many of us live our lives. We have handed the compass of our heart over to the desires of this world. And we're letting them lead us, usually towards one of three things. (laughs) Wrong relationships. Greed for money and accumulation of wealth, as if that's going to define us. Or escape into substance abuse or some other kind of escape that will only bring destruction to our life. You look at our culture around us and says, do what you feel with who you feel like doing it. Whenever you feel like doing it. How's that working out for our world right now? Are things awesome? No, things are pretty awful. Because everybody is following the compass of their heart and they've handed it over. And maybe you're going, John, that's not me. I don't follow my feelings. Just the facts. No emotions in my life. Only the facts. Good. That's, that's good. Unless those facts are shifting too. Right? You guys ever thought about that? Give me an example. You got the fact that if you have a compass, right? If you follow the compass and you're looking for true north, because the magnet in here will be directly connected to the magnet of the north pole, should be able to go, should be able to, ah, there it is. Oh, there it is, right there. If I keep on this direction here, I should end up in the North Pole, right? I mean, that's the facts. If your compass is pointing north and you keep following it north, you should end up at the North Pole, right? Some of you guys are like shaking your head. I don't know if I like skipped this class while in high school or something. Like I missed this. But did you guys know that there's a difference between true north and magnetic north? You guys, don't pretend. You didn't know there was a difference. I just, come on. You, you missed that class too. Look at this. If I followed this directly north, I would not end up actually at the North Pole. I would actually end up all the way over there. I'm, I'm starting to go towards Canada. And then if you, I keep following that over the next couple of decades, I'm going to end up in Siberia. And here's why. Because this needle on here is not actually going towards true north. It's actually going towards magnetic north. You guys, you guys ready for me to drop a little science on you? Some more of you guys okay with that? Okay. The earth's core is surrounded by liquid metal. And this liquid metal is constantly shifting. In fact, look how much true north has shifted from 1900 to 1996. Yeah, so it started out at the North Pole. That's in going to Canada. Pretty soon it's going to be in Siberia because instead of moving 10 kilometers per year, this liquid metal is now moving 40 kilometers per year. Now, you and I would be going based on the facts that we've been told as long as this is pointing north, I'm going to end up north. And yet north is no longer north anymore. This is actually going towards something that's liquid and moving faster by the year. Well, that's not a metaphor for why our world is completely confused. Because they thought that they were following just the facts. They thought this was the thing that they could put their trust in. Yet how many of us know if we put our trust in anything else but God, we will be led astray. Why? Because we're looking at a world of liquid morality. Of fluid morality. It's not staying fixed because they have left the one fixed thing a long time ago. So John, what am I supposed to do? If I can't trust feelings, if I can't trust facts, what am I supposed to do? 
We trust the one unchanging truth. The Word of God. And how He feels about you and I. We don't follow our heart. We follow the Father's heart for us. And in the metaphor of the compass, we go way old school. We go back to the map. Some of you guys are like, I haven't had a map for a long time. I know, ever since we got Siri, maps went the way of the dodo bird. You know, we just asked Siri, where am I supposed to go? Ah, make a left, make a right, right? But here's the deal. (laughs) If you get a map, a good old-fashioned map out, something on every single map that is unchanging is called latitude and longitude. The line's going north and south and east and west. And if you get a map and a compass, you can find the declination point, the difference between true north and magnetic north. You can pinpoint your exact location and find your way home. And what the Lord is telling us right now, for every one of us who is lost and confused, every one of us who is trying to find our way, instead of following our heart, let's follow the Father's heart for us by giving our heart and making it line up with the map, which is the Word of God, which is going to lead me true north, straight into His will and back home again. This Word of God doesn't change depending upon what I feel, how much pain I'm in, whether things are going great or going bad. This is the latitude and longitude of our lives. It's why we gather here every single week. Because while everything else is changing, while we live in a topsy-turvy world that calls wrong right and right wrong, celebrates the worst of humanity and denigrates the best of humanity, you and I have to have some way through the melee, through the confusion, because there's a whole bunch of people that are following our lead and our example. How do you get back? How do you get out? How do you get through? The Word of God. Don't hand your heart over to anybody else. Line your heart up with the Word of God, and you'll find your way through. Well, what does that look like? Well, it looks like exactly what Habakkuk leads us to see. Now, a lot of us aren't familiar with him because he's in what's called the the minor prophets. But I'm telling you, even though it's a small book, it's only three chapters. It's a major message to those of us in this day and age when everything is confused. Everything is all over the place. You see, Habakkuk finds himself as the prophet, the voice of God to a, a people that have followed their heart toward women, toward treasure, towards rum or whatever the equation of that would be in their time they had followed their hearts away from god and now they were coming under the judgment of god because they broke their covenant with god here's habakkuk a man of god in the midst of a sinful people suffering because everybody was following their heart instead of following god's heart for them but here's what habakkuk does that i want to encourage each of us to do he keeps talking to god is everything awesome no everything was awful And yet he doesn't stop talking to God. And the promise that God gave me for this year, for each one of us, is that you will experience breakthrough in every place that you talk through and walk through with Jesus. So even though this subject matter could be considered depressing, Habakkuk teaches us how to walk through and talk through the worst things with God so that we can experience the breakthrough. And the first step to finding our way home, to finding our true north, to remember God's mercy. You can fill that in, that blank there. Remember God's mercy. Why do we got to remember it? Because when everything's going bad, it's the first thing we forget. We think that God is mad at us. We think he's mean. We stop talking to him. 
We forget that God's heart is always that mercy would triumph over judgment. So we see in Habakkuk's prayer, which really is actually a song. Verse 2, it says, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. Now, I used to read this in poetic uh, books in the, in the Bible when I was young and go, why is, why is everybody saying, God, remember, God, remember? Does God have a, a bad memory? Does he have a short-term memory? Is he like my grandma and forgets things? No, he, he's not. He remembers everything. So why does he say remember? God, remember mercy. It's not that God needs to remember. It's that we need to remember. And when we sing that or shout that out to God, God, would you remember this? We're reminding ourselves that our God remembers. It's just that we have forgotten. He says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. He's looking around at the mountains. He's looking up towards the sky. His glory covered the heavens and His praise filled the earth. He's talking about times passing. He's like, God, I remember the stories. I remember when you were with your people. I'm looking around. And then in the original Hebrew uh, manuscript, it's Selah. There's the, it's a musical term for a pause in the notes. There's no, it's, it's no words. You just pause. I think some of us need to Selah right now. Some of us need to pause. We need to breathe in the truth and remember God's mercy, even though it feels like He's a million miles away. He has not abandoned you. He's right here with you. Skip down to verse 9. It says, You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. And then Selah. He's stopping and saying, Oh, wait a minute. My God is fighting for me, not against me. And then it says, You split the earth with rivers. Notice what He's doing. He's looking at the geography around Him. And it's reminding him of how big his God is. Wait, I'm looking at mountains and I'm remembering, my God put those mountains there. What I'm facing right now seems like a mountain of trouble, but if my God can place mountains, he can handle the mountain difficulty I'm facing. Wait, my God put that river there that cut this mountain in half and created a valley. If my God can do that, then he can certainly handle what it is that I'm dealing with. Then skip down to verse 13. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. Wait, my God is not fighting against me. He's fighting for me. And some of us need to remember God's mercy right now. Maybe after this, you'll go look at the ocean. You'll remember that God who put that ocean there and doesn't let that ocean go beyond its boundaries is the same God who's not going to let you be overcome. Maybe we go out there and we go look at the Ko'olaus and we remember that the God that put those mountains there is the same God that can handle the mountains that we're facing in our life. Maybe some of us need a Selah today. See, the Boy Scouts know this, that when you're lost, picture, picture you're lost right now in some kind of a jungle. You don't know how you got there. You don't know your way out. The Boy Scouts know this, that it's not getting lost that kills you. It's what you do while you're lost that kills you. You see, what happens is when you and I get lost and we can't find our way out and our, our, our cell phone is not picking up the, the satellite array to pinpoint our direction, no matter how many times we ask, Siri, how do I get out of here? She has nothing to say. Right? And, and some of us are in that place in our lives where we are asking and asking and asking. We can't seem to find our way out. And the Boy Scouts say this, the worst thing you can do is panic. The best thing you can do is stop. And so they memorize this Stop acronym. And of course, I adjusted it from what we just learned from Habakkuk. That you and I need to stop right now. Don't keep running. Stop. Selah. Have a Selah moment where you pause 
And then you think about what it is that God's done and you thank Him for what He's done. Does it feel like He's a million miles away right now? Maybe. But look at what His track record is. He's always led you through. Then observe. Just like Habakkuk is looking around at the mountains, I want you to stand and look at what it is that God is doing around us and then obey. Obey. Some of us are saying, God, show me what's next. And God's saying, I want you to do what's first. You gotta do what's first before you'll see what's next. Obey Him in the first thing before you'll see the next thing. And then finally plan and pray your way through it. Remember, don't stop talking to God. Some of us make the worst mistake when we're afraid. We stop talking to the only one who can lead us home. We blame Him and we say, God, I'm not talking to you until you make this thing better in my life. When He's the only one that can actually lead us through the difficult times. See, physiologically what happens is the amygdala, the, the fear processor of emotions, all those emotions wash over our prefrontal cortex. And that's why people, when they feel lost and afraid, they do crazy things that make it even worse. They run off cliffs and they try to hug bears and you know who knows what else they do. But it's, they make the matters worse. And the Lord is saying, if you feel lost right now, don't keep running. Stop. Let me show you that you're not alone. That's actually what we want to share with those that attend our, our church here that are, are furloughed. That you've just spent the last month because of our government shutdown and you've missed out on two paychecks. Now, I don't know where you guys are at, but if I missed out on two paychecks, I'd be in serious trouble. And if that's you, we want you to understand that even if you're lost, you're not alone and your new hope Ohana is standing with you. And I know that, that, uh, President Trump has, has, has reenacted it for at least the next three weeks, but that doesn't mean that a bunch of us don't still need some help. So if that's you, we got David Schofield. David, would you stand up right there? David Schofield, who also works for the government, is here to help you. Just go out and meet him out under the Ohana tent at the Connections kiosk. And in any way that we can help, we'd like to be able to help you. And if you would like to help those who are furloughed, can we help them as well? Yeah, absolutely. And listen, for, so for some of us who don't work for the government, we still feel furloughed. We feel like we have, we have been set aside, like, like we've been given promises and, and they haven't come through, like we've done too much and, and it's never enough and, and we're stuck and we're lost. And if that's you, I just want you to know the same thing. You may feel lost, but you are not alone. Remember God's mercy. And then the second way out. The second way to find true north is the opposite thing you and I would ever choose to do when things are awful. I want you to rejoice in the Lord. You're never going to feel like it. But this is exactly what we're called to do because it's not about feelings. This is about faith. This is about a focus on the one who does not change. This is what Trisha was talking about that she has to do every single day of her life. Does she ever feel like rejoicing in the Lord? No but she chooses to every day. This is what Habakkuk had to choose to do. He's looking around. He's saying in verse 16, I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. What's he saying? He's like, everything is so bad. I'm literally feeling sick. I, I'm immobile. I can't even move. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. And then you can picture him looking around again and seeing the devastation in his land. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen 
and no cattle in the stalls. Now, if you and I looked around and we, sh- we saw sheer devastation in our world, you and I would be tempted to shake our fist in God and go, why are you letting this happen? And yet he does the exact opposite. Look what he does in verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. We're never going to feel like doing that. But why do we do that? Notice he didn't say, I'm happy about this. No, he's not happy. You and I don't have to be happy about what's going on in our life right now that's difficult and hard. But we do have to choose that we're going to rejoice because the character of my God is good no matter how bad my circumstances are. You see that? That's the unchanging latitude and longitude of my God. And so I can either hand this over to rage, to rebellion, to distance and bitterness, or I can hand the compass of my heart back to the Word of God that I know does not change. It's what you and I have to do. And we say, I'm going to rejoice in the middle of my circumstances. We're not pretending like everything is fine. We're just coming to the one that we know is good, even though everything else is bad. You see, joy is a choice. To rejoice in God is a choice to put God first in the middle of our circumstances. And then what happens when we do? Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. Not you. You're not going to get yourself out of this mess. Did you guys know that? But the strength of God can. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. (laughs) The guy's literally immobile. He cannot move. He's sick. And yet he's speaking something out in the middle of this song. He's singing in the middle of the devastation. He's looking at a dead end and singing to his high God. And he's saying, there will be a day when I'm going to climb that mountain right there. And I'm going to shout for all the world to hear, my God is good. My God is real. My God is true. And that's never going to change. No matter what else changes, that will not change And you and I have to decide if we are going to sing that after the answer comes or if we can sing that in the middle of our difficult circumstances right now. Can we rejoice in the Lord? Because our our God does not change. Can we choose that my emotions, my heart will not lead my lips? Nope. Lips, you're not in charge. Body, you're not in charge. Mind, you're not in charge. God is. And I'm going to follow His heart for me. That's what I saw my dad doing when he found out that he had cancer. That's what I saw Pastor Wayne doing when he found out he had cancer. These two fathers in my life, both of them rejoiced before they were cancer-free. I mean, you guys remember that interview with Pastor Wayne, right? He grabs a guitar and he's teaching us how to worship in the middle of the hard times. My dad's literally being wheeled into surgery to have the cancer removed and he's smiling And he's sharing Jesus with the nurses and the doctors and witnessing to them. And all of that is exactly what Habakkuk was choosing to do here. Not after the answer had come, but before. And it was all preparation for what it is that my family and I were about to face as I followed their example. You see, I was reading through Habakkuk and God was preparing me for something that was coming. It was going to be one of the hardest things their family ever walked through. And I journaled out a song, the song that I'm going to actually share with you at the end of this service, and we're going to sing together. It's on our new Scripture Songs album, and I didn't know how much I was going to need this song. I describe it as the song that no one wants to sing, but everyone needs to sing. 
It's the song of remembering and rejoicing when everything else is falling apart. And it wasn't too long after I'd written this song that our Hanai's son, Jake, had a car accident and ran right into a pole and lost his life. He was my oldest son's best friend. And everything fell apart. Our family had never gone through a loss like this before. So tragic. He was so young. And my boys are looking to my lead. Uh, how am I supposed to lead them when I'm at a loss? But I had this song. I remembered God's mercy. And I rejoiced in the Lord that somehow he was going to lead us through this. And he did. The family invited me to be a part of the memorial service. So I was able to lead Kaiser High School and a whole bunch of others in the community that knew Jake to ask the right question instead of the wrong one. You see Pastor Wayne and my dad, Habakkuk, instead of saying, why are all these bad things happening? That's the wrong question. The right question is, what's a good God doing through this bad situation? My God is good. That does not change. No matter how bad things are. And I found my true north. Through Habakkuk's finding his true north. Through Pastor Wayne and my dad finding their true north. And some of us, we need to find our true north right now. You can't get through it on your own strength. But you have to be able to answer these questions. Can I rejoice before the resolve comes? We have no problem rejoicing after the resolve, after the solution. Can I sing before the solution comes? Will I declare who my God is even though I don't feel it? Can I have hope before the healing comes? Can I decide that I'm going to keep smiling despite the sorrow in my soul? Can I choose to keep climbing even when everything seems to be crumbling around me. You and I have that opportunity right now as we sing this song together to be able to declare to God what He wants to do in our circumstances and in our situations. Thank you. If you guys would stand with me right now. I want you to put your hands out before the Lord like you're going to surrender. We're coming back to true north, God. We're not following our heart, we're following yours. And right now our heart is awash with circumstances and situations that feel overwhelming. God, and in our desperation, in our fear, God, we tend to make things worse, God. But right now, God, we're doing the best thing that we could possibly do, which is to hand it all back to You. We put it back into Your hands, Lord. We surrender for the breakthrough to come. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially. God, we bring it back to You and we know, God, that You will lead us through. And as we sing, God, this song of Habakkuk, God, we choose to do two things, to remember your mercy and to rejoice in you, Lord. It's not about what we feel. You are more real than what we feel. And you are leading us back home, leading us back to you.
There's none of us so lost that we can't find our way home. If we come to you, you will lead us through this. And I pray that you would do that now for each one here, everyone watching online, as we declare by faith this song of truth in our circumstances. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's sing this together. I've heard all about you, Lord. I've heard all about you, Lord. And I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. This time of our daily Help us, help us again as you did. In years gone by and in your anger.
circumstances you meant that the Lord knows you meant that but the true test is when we go out there and everything begins to crowd inside and make you feel lost again just remember two things you just got to remember his mercy you just got to rejoice in the Lord and he our true north will lead you through can we do that this week new hope all right God bless you